Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast, where we launch faith-filled entrepreneurs into greater freedom and success. But you know what? It's more than that. We want to help you thrive in the midst of today's cancel culture. Our goal is to raise up workplace warriors who will stand for what they believe in, whatever the cost. You can find out more by visiting expertownership.com. But without further ado, here we go. I've been really, really feeling it. About to bust a move or a show. Let me get it. If you really Here we are, Charlotte, North Carolina. So excited to be with you. Today, we are going to talk about how to lead through change, how to lead your team, your management team, maybe even your employees, or you know what, how to even lead your family through change. And we have Eric Beck with us. I'm so thankful. This is David. I've got evil Jason sitting right next to me. And I do want to say something. You know, Gloria Estefan has something to say about leading through change, but she just says, seasons change people change oh, oh that just gosh. happened that just happened no yeah. that's so that, that Gloria happened. Stefan. oh come on uh, dude that's an 80s throwback uh, eric let's talk about change because i mean we're in the middle of it here in this country uh, in the elections right. election season and all of these other things lots is changing how do we navigate our team how do we navigate our family through change well i think the first thing is to recognize that change is a constant and change is you know if there weren't if there wasn't change there wouldn't be growth so I think a lot of times we see change as a threat. So I would say like the very first thing we want to do is we want to look at change or a challenge as an obstacle that can make us stronger. Mm. I just love the idea of like, this is not happening to me. This is happening for me. And in asking that question, as we all talk about all the time, you know, father, where are you at in this? So this thing has changed and like, wow. Okay. Oftentimes we are unsettled by change because typically I think the, the flesh you know, the, the midbrain really wants things to stay the same so we can be comfortable and feel secure. But ultimately, our security is not in things staying the same. Our security is on being on mission. You know, obedience is better than sacrifice, right? So That's it's right. like, what am I supposed to do? And am I doing that? Our trust is in the Lord, not in our circumstances. So I think first thing is just recognizing that when change comes, I'm going to tend to respond to that in a way of resisting it. Your people will tend to resist the changes, even if it's the best idea ever. So I think part of it is just our mindset to say when change is coming, whether you're bringing it or it's brought, <laughs> you know, to you to say, okay, where's the good thing in this? This is a, is going to be a little bit of a workout for me? And that's good, you know? starting with that that's well great. Okay, so that's you, where you start let me give let me give all entrepreneurs out there a great book that you need to read when it comes to change who moved my cheese mm-hmm. that's okay. a good book mm-hmm. Fan, fantastic book about these two mice named sniff and scurry that's right oh i forgot that's right and they right. love they they knew exactly where their cheese was you know yeah and and there were two little people in there named him and haw yeah. You know, so Sniff and Scurry are always looking for the cheese wherever it goes. But him and Hall were like, wait, the cheese is supposed to be here. Yeah. Like, why isn't it here? But it was somewhere else. But Sniff and Scurry, they figured out where it was. So I, I do think that when it comes to change, you know, like embracing it, recognizing that, that change is actually a good thing. And that's what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is that he's willing to and she is willing to embrace risk. Yes. You know? 
and and they don't want to sit there and just be in the same, be in the norm, but they're willing to embrace change. So whoever's willing to embrace change is the one who's going to arise the leader. That's that's center of the bullseye. You know, they say in a survival situation, the people who accept what's happening the earliest have the greatest chance to survive. The, the early adopters. They're, they go, this is happening. Now, what's important now? Yeah. And they start taking action on a vision. It's like, wow, they're, they're not resisting change. They're not denying change. I know we're going to go here, so I'm going to take us here just a little early. Clearly, the culture is changing, and mm. it's changing at a rate that is shocking. It's, I mean, you know, culture has never changed at this rate. I think one of you Ever. guys said the other day about being a parent in this age. It's not like parenting ever before never in world history so, have parents have had to raise children with these evil devices we call oh, iphones <laughs> yeah exactly and didn't didn't steve jobs say he wouldn't let none of his yeah. kids or whatever he wouldn't let his family yeah, have bill gates with products. his kids yeah. too so i look at that and i go okay so we have this massive rate of change right and then i say all right well wh what are we really going to do about that how are we going to actually make our way through that and i think looking at it and saying okay when the change comes can i accept it can i embrace it Sometimes it's hard because when, for example, all of a sudden the definition of key words that hold society together are being turned upside down and, you know, man doesn't mean man anymore. And, you know, the wokeism is going to be men sometimes have periods. What? And you're like, what, what did you just say? Like, yeah, how? So totally. it's like, how in the world am I going to embrace that? I'll tell you how. Because when people are really questioning what something means... What they're saying is, what does it mean? Yeah. And that's our opportunity to say, this is what it means. And this is why it means that. In other words, we're getting an opportunity to establish the, the depths of something that's been assumed. That's, that's a problem with what I call unexamined assumptions. Mm -hmm. When I have unexamined assumptions in my life, I'm very afraid of the, I'm very afraid of the question why. And if you want to get a good education in this, have kids. Yes. Because they're going to go, why? Why'd why? you do that? Yeah. Why, why? Why this? Now, the person who's offended by that may just be a busy entrepreneur who's got stuff to do. But, but at the deeper level, I really do want them to ask why. why. Why should we do it this way? And, you know, it says in the Bible that we should have a ready answer. Mm. You know, that doesn't mean to be a smart aleck or to be a know-it-all. But it means that I don't have, by God's grace, I hope, many areas in my life where I have unexamined assumptions. Mm. And that means that in some of those areas, I'm going to come to the answer of, I don't know. And I'm comfortable with the fact that if you ask me this question, I don't have a great answer, but that answer ultimately rests in faith. I used to teach logic at a Christian school in Michigan years and years and years ago. And I always like to do this game called the why game. And I would just start with something very simple. And I said, this is a very easy way to find out what a person's worldview is, is just to ask them why about anything. So somebody in the class had a watch on. I said, so why do you have the watch on? And they told me to tell time. Like, why is it important to tell time? Well, to be a good steward. And why is it important to be a good steward? Well, that's what I believe God wants us to do. Why do you think God wants us to do that? I don't know. Yeah. And you see, the quicker you get to I don't know, the quicker you're in humility the quicker you're in a place of, of groundedness to say, you know, I don't know the ultimate answer, but I do know the person who has that answer. Mm -hmm. And I'm trusting in my relationship with God. I'm trusting in that relationship to, to what's bigger than all of us. And in that context, now I can say, well, this change is happening. I might feel alarmed by it or, or unsettled or off balance, 
but I can accept it. I can embrace it because I know it's not coming randomly. Yeah. There's a purpose for it. Yeah. And I love that because I think about change and I think if we took one letter out of change and replaced the G with a C, Mm. it would be a fantastic segue because change is honestly your chance to see God in a new way. Come on. Right? So if we see it that way as entrepreneurs... Now, I'm talking entrepreneurs here, so I want to hone in on the marketplace person and just say that David and I coming up, that we would, we sold, managed and sold houses on behalf of banks. This was back in the early 2000s, and we did it, and we would get a great working relationship with an asset manager or two or three at a particular bank, and it would be fantastic until all of a sudden you got the email that said, I've been promoted or I'm going to a new place. Here's your new asset manager. And now listen, oh, oh, oh snap. Change. You know, this, change. Like literally that <laughs> asset manager represents half a million dollars in income to me. And now I've got a brand new one. I have to start over completely. But I'm telling you, we, we never enjoyed the process. I can't say that it was like, oh yeah, we want our asset managers to change. But it was just something that we had to get used to in our 20 years of doing it or 15 years of doing it. But every single time that there would be a new asset manager, we would pray and be like, God, what is it about this asset manager that you want us to know? Like, is there something we can be praying for? Like, we, we began to pray on behalf of that asset manager so we could get to know them. And, and specifically, I mean, the, the context of us doing business together is why we were talking to them, right? right. Money always defines the context. It's like we didn't want to get to, the, get to know the asset manager just to make money. But the idea and the opportunity to make money is the reason we were there. And yet once, once the, the context has been defined, then it's no longer the sole reason that you're there. Mm-hmm. That's right. The mm-hmm. main reason you're there is to see God's kingdom come and to see lives change. Or well, David's saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Yeah, right. He's like, yeah, now tell right. me what that is. Like, there, is there a yeah, reward? Absolutely. So David and I, we, we, would, we would have to get to know the new asset managers. And I can't say that every single time they ended up being better than the previous one. Uh, because there were times where it didn't work out quite that way. But every single time I was able to see God answer prayer. Yes. Like, Lord, okay, so now I don't know this person. My last asset manager, I knew she loved the Bengals. I knew that she loved eating, <laughs> eating right. bugles. Yeah. And I knew that she was addicted to Mountain Dew. And had three kids named this, this, and this. Yes. So it's easy yeah. to carry on a conversation with that, and it's easy for them to send you business. Now I have to do discovery on a brand new person. That person is made in the image of God. That's it. And you are going to get to discover things about them and you're going to get to win them over. And so you you need to just, I think the thing that will help you as an entrepreneur, as a, a person in the marketplace when it comes to change is to see change as your chance to see God in a new way. That is so good. That's so good. Well, I don't, I don't really want to even say anything to cover <laughs> that up. So I want everybody to chew for a second on that one. But I do want you maybe to ask yourself right now, okay, I just heard this major truth bomb that Jason just dropped. What am I going to do with that? I really think that operationalizing, taking into action, any idea that God gives you or a technique that you might hear really now, sorry guys, but you're on the hook for it. Hmm. He just gave it to you. You know, he just gave you this approach to change what we're talking about now. Ask yourself, you know, are there some areas in my life that do need to change where Hmm. I maybe need to initiate some change? And, and maybe that is, you need to get your team together and you yeah. need to talk about this. You need to say, hey, for our industry or for our market, you know, we just came out of COVID, you know, how are we going to approach these changes that could mm-hmm. be coming? Um, I love to teach our clients this, what to do when you don't know what to do. 
That's good. As a system. Yeah. It's like, I'll ask, they'll say, you know, we're trying to systemize our business. I'll say, do you have a system for your team that is a what to do when you don't know what to do system? And they're like, no, what even is that? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's really pretty simple. Because that is, when I don't know what to do, that means I'm facing a change in the circumstance that's befuddling me. And I want people to have a go-to tool for that. So talk about that for just a second. What is that tool? First of all, if I don't know what to do, I should take just a few minutes and think it through. And just telling people that they have permission to take just a couple of minutes, maybe even write it down, and just just think about it for a second. A lot of times, if we just slow down, the the solution comes. If I've done that and nothing is working, then I need to go to a peer who might know more than me and just ask them, hey, I'm having this problem. Can you help me out with this? Okay. Well, if the peer doesn't know, then let's go to somebody who's in charge. Okay. So this is, this is happening a short amount of time. Once I've gone to someone who's in charge, if they don't know what to tell me to do, then I go back to work. And Mm -hmm. now that manager goes on the mission of finding what's the right thing to do in this situation. What we don't want is the person to keep climbing the chain of command because they just wasted seven hours, not seven hours probably, but an hour retelling their same problem mm. to person after person after person. And you're, you were not growing as an organization and they're fundamentally disempowered because their approach to the change to the problem that's happening is, is somebody fix it for me mm-hmm. instead of, Hey, I'm going to think this through. And I know we've all talked about this several yeah. times. Don't bring the problem, bring, bring the solution. That's right. You know, bring your suggestion, right? That's right. The sequence of those things. So I feel like in a lot of ways, if there is a, what to do when you don't know what to do system operating in all your people, they're going to encounter change with a much more robust, you know, approach to that. Mm -hmm. It's not going to throw them off as easily as it would have because they're like, Hey, I kind of know that I'm going to get a curveball here and there. And this is, this is what you do. We have a way that we handle that. And again, at some point, you know, this is expert ownership. We want to own this at such a level where we're a little bit getting into, hey, bring it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm looking for the next crazy wave to come here. I'm, I'm looking for what can't be seen. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the challenge instead of like, oh, it's, a, you know, it's fragile and I don't want anything to knock this thing down. It's like, yeah. Now, Eric, I want to throw you a, a, a curveball and sh- see if you can hit this curveball. I love it. Apply this to your family because I've got five kids. We are constantly... Yeah. in change yeah they're all at different levels of life and maturity and yeah. growth physically yeah. emotionally we're constantly changing yeah so walk us through help me apply this to my family same as me you know kids growing and whatnot and i think that when we when we're encountering change in our family it can be very nerve-wracking because as parents we may be seeing change as a failure in parenting or if a behavior is not what we want or a kid's leaving You know, we thought, hey, they're going to go do this, but they're actually going to go do that. And there's some big change that way. I think what really is the best way to navigate change as a family is to keep coming back to how we are supporting each other now. What Mm -hmm. are the roles that we're in? And I think having a family strategic vision like we teach in the program is absolutely key. I mean, yes, you have to have one for your business and it needs to include the core four. But I also need, need that at home. You know, mm-hmm. what is our mission and our vision and our, and our principles and, and what, what and our core values? What's that for our house? Now, mm-hmm. if I have that anchor point and the change comes, then the change can bounce off of that stable point and it can, it can kind of mitigate. It can kind of like calm itself down. I also feel like it's super important when there's change, especially, you know, with a family, especially if you guys have kids. When you're listening to this, to ask yourself the question, 
you know, what is this designed to show me? Mm -hmm. This is also part of our problem solving module, but you know, what was the design of this? This is not happening randomly. This is here to show me something. And then for, for us as fathers and husbands to also remember, we don't need to jump in and solve it. We may need to let it, let it simmer, let it marinate for a minute and go, someone else might step into the void that we leave for just a moment and that's a chance for them to really step up. So sometimes the change can be in a negative direction, but also we can, if we provide good, a good safe container, but there's space in it, then our 11-year-old, who's not really asserting himself very much, just for an example, man, he stepped up in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I could have easily handled it, but I'm glad I didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I just, I framed it a little bit and I backed off and I said, let's see what happens here. So I think then celebrating any of the victories or any of we've we made it through a change yeah, that's good. to come back around to that. So I think celebrating really clear vision, kind of the roles and how we operate as a team. And, you know, nothing beats it. We do it our, at our house usually twice a day is family meals. Almost mm-hmm. every single day we'll have breakfast together and we'll have dinner together. And that's the time to really process that as a team. We, you know, you guys have used this phrase forever, you know, we weren't designed to do it alone. And I think whatever the change is and however big it is, knowing that, hey, we're a team and we can process this together is just absolutely amazing. You know, whether you're just you or, or, or with all your kids or your empty nesters. Yeah, that's good, yeah. man. I, I want to take a, just a quick little different look at change mm. uh, from the standpoint of if you want to see change oh, come on. There in you your go. life. That's right. Like if you want transformation, then you're going to have to change dot, dot, dot. Yeah, come on. Drum roll, please. Come on. Wait for it. Your habits. And the best way to think about your habits, that book, Habits, by, I forget the name of the dude. Mm-hmm. It's a yellow book. It's got like red writing on it. Anyway. Oh, atomic Habits? No, I don't think it's that? Atomic Habits. It's a different one. Yeah. But anyway, every habit has three things. You've got the cue, routine, and reward. Yes. You got the cue, you got the routine, and the reward. And for people that want to change their life, they want to change their lifestyle, and they want to they want to see transformation take place either physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Then you have to look at the at that three step process. That when it comes to a habit, first you got the cue, mm-hmm. you got the thing that signifies the the next thing that happens, which is your routine. Got it. And then whenever you do your routine, then you experience the reward from that routine. Yeah like ice cream at night (laughs) that's exactly that's where i was going it's like for so long for me it's i eat dinner at night and if it had any salt in it whatsoever Mm. give me about 10 minutes after dinner and there's the there's the hankering (laughs) no the the cue was was that i i ate that salty food that was that was what initiated the desire that's what initiated it yeah then i jump into my routine yep which was some type of chocolate chip ice cream yep that then gave me the reward, which was that dopamine hit mm-hmm. that, that my brain says, oh, that, that was great. That tastes so amazing. <laughs> right. And then the next thing I know, I've got a little spare tire around my waist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then one day, this was several years ago, I said, okay, I'm going to change this. Mm-hmm. So I did, I, I read this and it was cue routine reward. And some people call it cue habit reward, but okay. I liked it, the routine yeah. reward. Yeah. And, and I, I looked and I said, okay, what's my cue? My cue for eating ice cream is it's typically after dinner mm-hmm. and and I've got some type of craving. Mm-hmm. So I looked at my cue and I said, okay, next time I feel that cue, I'm going to take a block of dark chocolate instead of ice cream. Mm. And I did that. And you know, the rule of thumb is 21 days. 
Right. It's hard to break a habit. 21 days. Yeah. I did that for 21 days and I broke ice cream. Wow. Yeah. Come now, on. I wasn't immediately getting the same reward. Right off of dark chocolate that I was off of ice cream. So I had to kind of gut it out a little bit. Right. I'll tell you one thing though, just as a little side note yeah. that gives you as much of a reward yeah. as ice cream is cold pineapple. Oh, oh. but see, you get the fiber, yes. you're not, you're getting the sugar, but you're getting the fiber. So now get, that can do it. Come on now. So, or even better, dark chocolate covered pineapple. Oh, <laughs> now we're, hey, let Jeez. me tell you, let me tell you my favorite quote about this. Cause Jason, I, again, you're just the bullseye guy today. Listen to this. I don't know who said this, but I've got this in my notes here. Behavioral patterns can change by changing the smallest increment of that behavior first. Mm. That's what you just did. You were like, I'm breaking down the behavior into these three segments. Yeah. And that smallest thing is when the cue happens. What's that? What's that little thing I do that right there? Yeah, and then, routine. and then, and then, you know, take that out a month or two or three and you're down five or six or seven pounds, yeah. you know, and then I love this thing to come back around and reinforce that and go, now what I'm seeing in the mirror just happened by that little change in mm-hmm. my habits right. from the cue. And, and then, you know, share it with somebody, you know, yeah. tell somebody, say, hey, this has happened or this is working for me. So, I mean, talking about how we deal with change that we're not expecting and now shifting that into how do we initiate change so that we can see the things that we want to see. Mm, that's good. Man. I love that. Okay. We need to wrap this up. So I'm going to jump in with an own it or loan it and it's fourfold. Fourfold? Fourfold. Yeah, this is for Eric. Can I just say what my oh. own it or loan it was going to be? <laughs> what? Wallet cases. What's a wallet case? A wallet case. I you don't know, even know what a wallet case is. Your iPhone has a case. Oh. And it's, oh, it's oh. a wallet. So an iPhone that covers that, that carries your credit cards. Oh, yes. you guys can't yeah. see this now, but there's one guy's phone who's ro- it's broke yeah. is that that would <laughs> yeah. be yours. What, one phone does not yeah. fit. Of course okay. we own all that. <laughs> yeah, everybody everybody yeah. who's half decent in life owns that. You yeah. own the wallet case. <laughs> okay. You can't carry a wallet anymore. <laughs> okay. What are you talking about? Go ahead. Own it or loan it. We just got done talking about it. Dark chocolate. Own it. Yeah. Eric. Okay. Own it it or loan it. Dark chocolate with almond butter. Super own it. it. Dark chocolate with sun butter. Own that bad boy. Own it. Okay. Dark chocolate with peanut butter. Own it. Mm. Uh, I knew I'd get Eric on this one. He don't like peanuts because they're legumes. Yeah. They're not nuts. Yeah. They're legumes. Yeah. I mean, peanuts will rock my stomach. Like, I mean, yeah. Tori doesn't like it because that's usually shush, stuff happening under the covers, and I'm having a right, fan stop. of it. Oh goodness, help us, Jesus. Okay, so so you loan that? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, also if somebody is like, hey, we, hey, this is awesome, have a bite of it. I'm always going to have it. a bite of it. Dude, you yeah. cannot front on a Reese's peanut butter cup. No, you can't. Yeah, no, you, you can't. can't. That, or but strudel. That's, but that's milk chocolate, Jason. Yeah. It's not dark. You want dark because it re- removes the milk. Has, have you guys ever been to Trader Joe's and had their dark chocolate? Yeah, that's um, incredible. Heaven. Reese's peanut butter cups. Okay. Oh this my is, gosh. It's, it's over. This podcast is officially derailed. <laughs> Talk about change. Hey, thank you guys for being with us. Subscribe, rate, and review us, and always choose impact over income. But if you can have both, go and get it. Get God bless it. you. Embrace that change. I've been really, really feeling it. About to bust a move or a show. Let me get it. If you really, really feeling it, put it in your left hand, right hand, throw it up and hit it.